Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Friday, November 19th, 2021. A huge amount of animation news happened this past week, Drew. Largely because of everything got re- revealed over the course of Disney Plus Day, which was one week ago today, Friday, November 12th. Me personally, I wasn't able to pay all that much attention to the news uh, that was revealed then because I was in the middle of our Disney Dish Live event, which went surprisingly well. I uh, got to spend quality time with a lot of fine folks who came out for this year's event, many of whom asked about you, Drew. Ah, Especially our, our, our pal Mark, who really, really missed you. Mark was the shining star of all the social media posts, I will say that. <laughs> It, 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 quite the stylish treasure, I yeah. might add. Okay. Just never leave me alone again, Jim. It was scary. I didn't know where I was. I was fumbling around in the dark. No, I, I hope people did enjoy mm-hmm. uh, my chat with Chris Butler. I know you you said you, you lied very nicely and said that you enjoyed that, that conversation. So uh, I did. Yeah. I did. It kind of killed me because... I love Paranorman and, and wish I'd, I'd been able to sit in on that one. But it, he did a great job, and I, I especially loved his story about you bringing in the first 30 pages. And it's like, this is great. We should make this. And it's like, where's the rest of the trip? I'll go get it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's like, very Homer Simpson. <laughs> very, it's in very, my car. Very, yeah. Very cool. But anyway, uh, I, I wrap up here. I can, the, the, Tammy Whiting already has a cruise in the works for 2023 as a follow-up to this event. And speaking of Ms. Uh, Whiting and her team over at Storybook Destinations, the news portion of today's fine-tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So, where should we start things off? I mean, obviously, lots of animation stuff to discuss out of Disney Plus Day, but but then again, over this past week, Drew, you got to see, well, well, not only just Disney's Encanto, but also the highly anticipated sequel to Illumination's December 2016 release, Sing? Yes, I did. I was at the premiere uh, at, at the AFI Fest uh, last weekend. That yeah. was actually cool unto itself, uh, the, the American Film Institute thing. So yes. this was more of a really for real event rather than virtual, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Garth was there. He introduced the movie. Uh, Tori Kelly came out and said a few words. Um, but yeah, it was it was lovely. It was really, really nice. Yeah. Now, you've seen the first, so how does this compare to the original thing? It's a lot of the same. If you like the first one, I think you're going to like this one. I, I liked this one, but I didn't like it as much as I liked the first one. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of... I, I thought the Bono character was interesting, but yeah, it, it's it's more of the same. It's fine. It's not it's not the best thing you can see this this holiday season and certainly not my favorite animated film of the year but all right so universal's releasing this one on december 22nd so you get to see it like 10 weeks early yeah okay cool listen it's a burden jim my life (laughs) as you know (laughs) okay then then let's pivot to disney's encanto which actually debuts in theaters tomorrow wednesday the 24th so 
you got to see this Saturday before last, right? Yes. Yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning screening. So <laughs> yes. you got to get a roll out of bed early. Was it worth getting up early for? Oh, I, yeah. I, I love this movie. I think it is a new, it's a new Disney classic as far as I'm concerned. Really? Um, yeah. It's really okay. great. And actually okay. just yesterday I got to do a Q&A with Byron for CTN, which we usually talk about, um, mm-hmm. which is an, an animation festival in Burbank. So it was mm-hmm. it was virtual, but mm-hmm. it was great to talk to him. Yeah, I can't wait for you to see, see this thing, Jim, and I hope you stay away from the, the children's books or whatever to try to spoil the ending. Um, yeah, and, and don't listen to the music either, Jim, but I'm sure you already have. Disney sent me the soundtrack today and eight brand new... Lynn manuel Miranda songs. It's very tempting. Yes. Did you get to talk with Byron about when this started off? Because I, I was doing some digging tonight. So it work begins in this thing in 2016. And in fact, John Lasseter set this thing in motion, or, or so says Lynn Men. He takes his leave of absence from Disney in November 2017, gets his new gig at Skydance Animation, January of 2019. Isn't it today? That the Pixar story debuts on Disney Plus, the Leslie Iwerks documentary. Yes, a wonderful documentary. Did you see that? That one of our listeners pointed out something very interesting about the synopsis on the site. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't had time today to circle back to see if this is the same cut of the documentary that came out in August of of two thousand seven. And remember, it came out basically eighteen months after. Disney had bought Pixar for $7.4 billion. So it was really a love letter to the Pixar story. But yeah, I do hope they didn't touch it. It is a great documentary, yeah. I it think is, what, it I, is. I think it adds a nice context because I think the documentary is so kind of like worshipful mm-hmm. of him mm-hmm. so to know that there was a different side is will will give it some some context but I, it, an absolutely amazing documentary leslie is mm-hmm. a, a fantastic filmmaker and uh, yeah but anyway well well i'm really hoping on the heels of the imagineering story that let her be the ken burns of disney let her do these long form things well I did mean, you see the announcement that she's she's gone over to hbo max jim she's doing the history of dc comics over there uh, so well, Disney letter slipped through their hands, their white gloved hands. Yeah, that could be cool. That yeah. could be cool. All right, circle back to Encanter now. Largely positive reviews has a ninety-two freshness rating over at Rotten Tomatoes. And again, don't peek is what you're saying. I'm Encanter. saying that yes. I and and I will say the one time I've been thankful to wear a mask in mm-hmm. a movie theater is because no one can see you crying. Sobbing, I would say, over the the kind of second half of this movie, it is an absolute emotional powerhouse. So, wow. just get ready; it'll it'll melt your cold heart, Jim, just the same. <laughs> it doesn't take that much. Okay, well, let's shift to actually talking about Disney Plus Day. Lots of yes. animation news. Start off with the stuff that actually debuted on on November twelfth is Disney Plus Day, and I always enjoy when people do your articles for pull quotes. So it was really cool to see the Olaf Presents poster that's making the rounds with, oh, you know, yeah. Drew Taylor says, this is amazing, you know. But a little shorter than I guess I hadn't expected them to be, but they were still charming as hell. Yeah, I think that uh, Josh Gad has a, might have a future in this business, Jim. So that's, <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. So we got six films that he was able to recap, and Encanto is... The 60th Disney animated feature, so 54 more to go. You know, yeah. just it, 
All right, Hiram, Josh, back in the studio. Let's go. <laughs> and and speaking of ridiculously charming, Chow Alberto. Don't you just want to just like you want to? I want like hours of Luca related stuff every year. I mean, that world is just so wonderful. I totally agree, especially to be able to tell this sort of story just inside of six minutes and have it plug back in to the film that way it did. You know, it just said. Kudos to McKenna Harris, who directed this thing. Likewise, Matt DeMartini, who produced. Just got the look right, got the style right, and just a lovely little emotional story there. So Yes. Absolutely so, yeah, amazing. Go back there, too. Go back yes. there, too. Yes. <laughs> On the other hand, The Simpsons and Plusiversary. Look, you and I are both uh, huge David Silverman fans. In fact, yes. you, you were pointing out that just today... David has a brand new film debuting on Netflix, uh, Extinct, right? Yes. Yeah. A cute little trailer. And the log line is, two cute fuzzy creatures accidentally time traveled to the future where they're extinct. And can this donut-shaped duos save their species? And I've loved David's work all the way back to The Simpsons, not to mention Monsters, Inc., and I got to say that David directed Play Aid Out with Destiny back in March 2020 and The Force Awakens from his nap in May of 2021 and The Good, The Bad, and The Low-Key just this past July, which is why the fact that Plusiversary kind of misses the mark, I don't understand what happened here. <laughs> I wonder if it is, in fact, it's Dan Castellano who voices Donald, it's Hank Azaria who's doing Goofy, and don't get me wrong, Tress McKeel does an amazing Maleficent. But I wonder, would the Goofy drinking with Homer gag have worked better if they had actually gotten Bill Farmer? Yeah, and I, and I wonder if the way that they couch it is by having it in that Simpsons style, that it's not really Goofy drinking because, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of this different look. But yeah, it would be interesting to see more of a Roger Rabbit approach Mm-hmm. to all the characters being together. But yeah, I, I, I just thought it was, it wasn't that satirical or, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I love seeing the animation and, and obviously, like you said, we love David Silverman and mm-hmm. he's just such a genius. It, it mm-hmm. just, uh, it just, it was weirdly toothless. Yeah, exactly. Remember the piece of animation they did for the announcement that the Simpsons, you know, are coming to Disney plus. I think they had Homer in the Iron Man outfit and yes, yes. it was really funny. It had some teeth. And there was that short that was with, I think it, maybe it was played it with destiny that had that great Gracie films thing at the end that had yeah, Mickey. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Well, they can't all be great. I am hoping they're going to continue to wander through and, there were some Pixar characters in there. I want to say that. Yeah, know, the ba- the bow kid was in there, and yeah, that's was, right. That's yeah. right. Okay, <laughs> so I, I'd love to see them just take a swing at the Pixar world and see what would happen. But right, all right. Do you get back to the not the stuff that was released on the day of Disney Plus Day, but stuff further on down the line? So first of all, Marvel side of the fence. This X Men '97 project is weirdly intriguing. I mean, you know, the notion yeah. of Picking up where the original X-Men, the animated series from 92, left off. Now, mind you, all 76 of, of those episodes are available right now on Disney+. Plus. But really intriguing conceit here. You're bringing back a lot of the original voice talent. But they kept stressing, not necessarily in the same roles. Right. And you got your original writers and directors coming back and consulting on the show. 
What's your take on this? Yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued. I mean, I think that show is a seminal kind of introduction mm-hmm. to those characters for mm-hmm. people of a certain age. So mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. I hope they kind of maintain that visual style was really cool. Uh, it, it will not be cell animation again, I'm sure, but... Oh, interesting point. You know, I really love those kind of thick black lines around the Mm -hmm. characters. And obviously that theme song is great. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we had a a really nice golden age of kind of superhero animation in the early 90s between Batman Mm -hmm. and Gargoyles and this. Mm -hmm. So, But speaking of superhero animation, Mm -hmm. Jim, what else were they (laughs) talking about at Disney? Well, and it's it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved it. Or I enjoyed, love is a very strong word. I enjoyed that episode of uh, Marvel's What If, where they did the Marvel zombies. But it's just this whole notion of, oh, joy, a whole series of Marvel zombies. It's like, uh. But it's the director of Marvel's What If, uh, Brian, who's coming over to, to handle this. Likewise, the writer of Super Magic, you, you got to see that show on Crackle, didn't you? Or, I've never seen it, no. Is it great? Oh, it's so funny. And equal opportunity offender goes after DC and Marvel. <laughs> Definitely check it out. And speaking of Marvel, what if we got uh, season two of that confirmed? Though that <laughs> We'd heard that was coming. And supposedly this will continue the, the story of Super Soldier version of Peggy Carter. And you were also mentioning sort of the golden age of superhero animation. And face it, the very first thing that Marvel did after they bought to Patty Furling was put that uh, Spider-Man show in the works. And so the fact that we're getting a new Spider-Man animated series, but very specific, you know, Spider-Man freshman year. And Well, what's interesting about that one, did you read that it's actually him in the lead up to Spider-Man Homecoming? Is it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it'll have a very strong MCU uh, Mm -hmm. connection. Yeah. That's killer. Okay. And and Kevin Feige has been quite vocal about his take on Peter Parker to the effect of the way this character works best is if he's in high school. He's juggling, you know, schoolwork, being a gawky teen while still doing the superhuman feats. Okay. Moving over to the Disney side of the fence. Walking through the actual release dates we know for next year. So we've got... The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder, debuting on Disney Plus in February of next year. Which looks great. Did you like yeah, that trailer? I did like that trailer. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. always enjoyed that show, but it just, they didn't miss a step. But, you know, yeah. just sort of like, killer. Can't, you know, can't wait to see this. On the other hand, uh, in spring of 2022, we have the project that you have been talking about two years now, three maybe years two, now. Maybe we've been talking about it too much, but yes. Uh, well, you know, you've been very good about Keeping the actual, if it, in fact, when is that footage that everybody talks about finally going to leak? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we got to start the promote. I would say probably after Christmas, right? Okay, okay. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the the, mm. the Lonely Island version, yes, is coming yep. out in spring yep. 22. Yep. And then we have uh, Baymax with an exclamation point, summer of 2022. and How good does that look, Jim? It looks fun. I, I wonder... Is this another of the adventures of Carl and um, Doug? Doug? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, again, we're going to get four and five minute long shorts here or. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Because yeah. just love the conceit of Baymax loose in San Francisco working as a nurse. And then we have the uh, project we've talked about a couple times here. 
on the show, Robert Zemeckis's live-action CG version of Disney's Pinocchio. We, we now know, well... <laughs> live-action-ish, yeah. Live-action-ish. And, and yeah. more to the point, they say this is going to come out in fall of 2022, but you were suggesting that... Maybe not. Because the other thing is that wh- where is Peter Pan and Wendy is the other thing. Mm-hmm. That was the other. That's the other really big um, live Ooh. action remake for Disney Plus that, that's undated. So, I know that they finished production before Pinocchio, but I imagine mm-hmm. Pinocchio has much more visual effects noodling that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So, I would not be surprised if we don't see that next year. But mm-hmm. you and I were also pre gaming about the uh, in- uh, investors call. So maybe that yeah. might put the put some coal in the uh, the engine of the yeah. Pinocchio production. That yeah. could that could you know whatever convinces more subscribers to get on board here. But we also have a couple of things that are announced for 2022 that don't necessarily have dates or months associated with them. We have Zootopia Plus, which from the concept art alone, just the image of the two slots in the restaurant with the menus and the poor waiter. It's like, I'm there. That short, I'm there from day one. It looked like the weasel has some shorts. It looks yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Lots of fun stuff there. Yeah. We also got Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey uh, talking about the Enchanted sequel. By the way, Enchanted just has become available, the, the Kevin Leva film on Disney+. Plus. But Disenchanted is supposedly coming sometime in 2022. And, and then... Of course, we have season two of The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse, and you and I have both enjoyed these long-form shorts, so the fact that we're, we're getting another bunch that supposedly celebrate spring and winter, or at least that's what I read. Cool. I love those. All right, going forward here, we have for 2023, this is when we get Tiana, which is coming for Walt Disney Animation Studios. In fact, our good pal Amy sent along info to the effect of Stella Megahy, I, I want to say, yep. is been signed as the writer and director of this series. And Logline has Tiana setting off on a grand adventure as the newly crowned princess of Maldonia, but her calling to her New Orleans past isn't far behind. Well, did you see the teaser image? Yeah, her on a boat. Her on know. a boat, but in a puddle, mm. there's something kind of sinister sort of happening some kind of magic oh so. man now i gotta go back and look okay. <laughs> yeah i mean i wonder i just want to know i want to know mm. if it's if it's 2d that's my mm-hmm. big question but okay yeah. moving on to 3d yes yes we have from pixar cars on the road did you get to see owen wilson on saturday night live the skit he did about recording dialogue oh, yeah for Cars 4. Yeah. <laughs> you got to assume the people at Pixar just love that yeah. out ahead of work being done on, on Cars on the Road where it's, it's supposedly it's, it's Lightning McQueen, you know, molesting Mater's sister. And it's like, oh, well, this movie is going to write <laughs> record itself. So. And there's a couple other Pixar things. They showed a little bit more of uh, Win or Lose, which is coming in 2023. Mm-hmm. And they announced there are documentaries coming about the making of uh, Turning Red. And Lightyear coming next year. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. We'll talk about Turning Red in a little bit. Okay. Now, pivoting to Fox, we have two animated Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. In fact, uh, the first of these is is being released on December 3rd of this year. And the, the second will follow sometime in 2022. And then we have the Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. 
we're not getting invited to the the blue sky Christmas party because there is no blue sky anymore. Yeah. All right. It, what, this is not. I don't know who did this animation because oh. it's not blue sky, and I yeah. think that's pretty evident by that teaser. Yeah, it's about Buckwild and the, the prankster pro- Possum Brothers Crash and Eddie. So you don't need a Ray Romano back. You don't need John Leguizamo or Dennis uh, uh, Leary. Dennis Leary, but. When you're watching a trailer and the voices are wrong and the animation is off and it's and it's coming in in January of 2022, so you know the train has left the station. You know, <laughs> the, the cavalry is not coming over the hill to save this thing. And poor Simon Pegg, who is back as the voice of Buck Wild, you kind of feel bad. A paycheck's a paycheck, Jim. I get that, but we just had Muppet... Haunted Mansion, you know, and you, you get a Kirk Thatcher involved and you, you got something for the ages. I mean, Disney will be playing that, you know, Halloween special for decades. And, yeah. and again, and if they were smart, which I'm, I'm hearing from various sources that perhaps they're not smart, they'd be hiring Kirk Thatcher to make all sorts of things for, you know, involving the Muppets. Right. And that's the thing of we just recently saw... Disney social media side uh, start walking out the Ice Age characters. So they clearly value these characters. But something like this, with it being your first thing out of the gate? Not good. Though I, I will say this much. Sometimes bad-looking animation still translates into something entertaining. I mean, for example, as part of this Disney Dish Live event, the very last thing we did before we left at the uh, after hours very merry thing mm-hmm. at the kingdom on Sunday night was the holiday edition of Monsters Laugh Floor. This sounds an awful lot like our trip to Disney World, Jim, and going. Yeah, to it, Laugh yes, Floor. It, it, it was late. It was late, <laughs> and standing in the in the pre-show and looking at the footage, you know, and again, remember, you got to remember this thing debuted in what. 2006, you know, and, and then officially it went live the, the January of 2007. And the animation of the pre-show did not look great. And then when you got into the theater, thank God there were these really, really talented improvisational comics back there who were feeding off of the audience. And again, we have walked into this thing at 1230 at night. It's an exhausted audience. It was a cold night. And I got the whole room laughing. It made the party end on a high note and, and largely on the back of the performance rather than the animation. What with the living character initiative stuff and the technology, they haven't upgraded that for a while, but it's still a solid show. But genuinely funny thanks to the improvisational performers. And by the way, another great holiday offering is Robin Robin, uh, a new holiday special from Ardman. Uh, It debuts on Netflix tomorrow, November 24th, and Drew and I got to interview the directors of this 30-minute-long charmer. That's Daniel o- O'Hari and, and Mike Please. Is that right? Yeah. This movie rules. I think that people are going to be surprised by how great it is. Because it is... It's amazing. I loved it. So, didn't you love it? I, I did. I did. Okay. And, and I particularly enjoyed getting to chat with, with Daniel and Michael about how it came together. And, and when Drew and I get her from this back... We're going to share what those two filmmakers told us about how they made this this holiday special for Ardman. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. A couple other animation-related things uh, to mention before we get to our interview with Daniel and Michael. Have you seen this Dogs in Space? No. <laughs> <laughs> it debuted just yesterday, uh, Thursday, November 18th on Netflix. So we, we've got our first season of 10 episodes, but here's the setup, Drew. In a, a not-so-distant future, Earth scientists send a fleet of genetically enhanced dogs to explore the galaxy in search of a new planet to call home, because we've trashed Earth. Haley Joe Osment is voicing the lead character, a dog called Garbage. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but it's created by Jeremiah Cortez and Adam Henry, and was watching the trailer over on YouTube earlier tonight. And very cute, but very much a canine version of Star Trek. So okay. worth checking out. And, and speaking of trailers, we got the teaser trailer for Pixar's Turning Red back in June of this year. Uh, two days ago, we got the really for real trailer for this Domi Shi film. This thing just looks amazing. Yeah. I cannot wait for this. And did you see the news that Billie Eilish is, has written three songs for the the made-up boy band from the movie? No! Yeah. Oh, Very cool. Yeah. That, that's killer. But yeah. I love that we're seeing more of May's world. Yeah. Her confident friends who stand by her when, when she turns into a giant red panda. I, I love the kind of throwaway exposition. It's like, this is happening already? It just looks like good, confident storytelling once again from Pixar. And again, very much looking forward to the, this Pixar film when it arrives in theaters May 11th of 2022. March 11th. March 11th. March you, don't 11th. Have, you don't have March. to wait that long. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of having to wait really long, <laughs> you sent me news of Dr. Seuss's Oh, The Places You Go. John Chu is going to be directing. It's coming from Warner's Animation Group and the Dr. Seuss Enterprises. But, but did you see when they're saying this thing is coming out? Yeah. 2027? My next question is, so James Cameron is is producing this? Is I was going to say, we could, we'll take a boat to get there because the <laughs> continent will be underwater by then. But yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. No, but no, no, not James Cameron, but J.J. Abrams. It's his outfit, Bad Robot, that's adapting this book, which, which came out originally in, in January of 1990. I'm a little concerned this picture book is only 56 pages long. 
I wonder who's going to do the animation. That's all I care mm. about. Okay. I, th- I think it'll be Animal Logic is my guess because they're doing the Wonder Pets or whatever that is next year. The oh. DC Super Pets or whatever. So that's my I'm guess, gonna... Jim. So, okay. All right. So if I'm proven um, right, you owe me a Coke. That's all. That's okay. All, all right. I, I will. I will put that. I'll in collect in 2028. There uh, we go. Know. There we go. And I and I bet the Coke will be flat by then. <laughs> okay. Speaking of of animation projects that you know, never mind having a release date in five years, didn't have a release date at all. But news just broke today about the Gru the Wanderer film that entrepreneur Josh Jones has acquired both the movie and the television rights to this long running comic book character, Gru, created by Sergio Aron and Mark Avenier, debuted back in 1982. So 40 years now they've been riffing on Conan the Barbarian. If you believe that, Jim, I've got a great deal on the Brooklyn Bridge for you. Uh, low interest rates. Um, right, and yeah. a lovely view. Let's, and a lovely let's, view, uh, yeah. Okay, well, well, speaking of broadly comic, the Solar Opposites holiday special debuted on Hulu just yesterday, and I, I gotta say, very, very foul, but really, really funny, send up until holiday season, but not for kids, really, not for kids, not to be confused with Robin Robin, the, the you know, lovely, gentle holiday special, which debuts on Netflix tomorrow. But honestly, one of the things I, I love the most about this holiday special is it's very much of today's times. You know? I mean, it's timeless, but at the same time, it could only be produced today, you know, that just sort of the, the message of inclusion that this thing includes. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. I yeah. loved it so much. Yeah, it's so good. Let's let Daniel and Michael explain how they crafted this stop-motion holiday special for Ardman. What made you guys decide to sort of lean into the fabric art aspect of it? Because it definitely has a different look than a lot of the other Ardman. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a great kind of, amongst the indie scene of... Um, short film animations there's there's a big kind of growing community i guess of pe- people who are making this felt felt animation so there, there's a kind of uh it's 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 a medium that's you know getting used more and more and we're you know huge huge fans of it and have done sort of small experiments in the past but um i suppose particularly for this film it felt like something that was so sort of tactile and warm and uh particularly i guess appropriate around christmas time because you often get those little felt uh christmas decorations i don't know if you have those in the states but we, we certainly do very much so. mm-hmm. in the uk yeah um and do you want to say we put them into Ardman? oh we did yeah so when we when we first pitched the idea to Ardman, um or the second pitch we came into Ardman offices and kind of presented the idea and um, we'd always had it in our heads right from, well, as we'd been developing the story that having needle felt characters would give it a certain feel and sort of charm and endearing quality. So we brought um, a bunch of like little Christmas decorations in like mice and I think we got a robin as well and um, a little snowman and we brought them in as part of our pitch to like hand out to everyone at Ardman to kind of get them uh, into the idea as well. Um, and they were really, I mean, they loved the idea of doing something really new and, and, and sort of, um, and yeah, kind of experimenting with a new medium. Um, so we were really pleased because I guess when we first came to Ardman, we weren't sure uh, whether they were going to kind of want us to, to sort of work within the more in-house approach, which, um, which tends to be more with like claymation or silicon and things like that. 
Um, but it was amazing to kind of come in and be sort of met with such an enthusiasm to experiment and try something new. On that tip, I I know obviously Wes Anderson is what he calls the boiling effect of moving yeah. the air um, from shot to shot. Or, yeah, from every still photography, you know, photo. But what was your uh, approach or methodology when it came to how much hair is going to be shifting and moving around uh, from shot to shot? Well, I mean, it was, uh, I guess, yeah, kind of a boiling level that we had to find the right degree of as we went on. We didn't want to airbrush it out, but at the same time, you know, we didn't want so much that it became distracting to the the really important thing, which is the emotional performance of the, the characters. So um, in some of the early shots, there's probably quite a lot of boiling. And then we had to kind of work with the animators to like find the right degree, you know, be like, look, don't, don't boil it on purpose. But, <laughs> but if there's a little bit that goes along the side, you know, that's okay. And, and we did do a little bit of post-production to like, you know, maybe if it, things got too intense, we would sort of try and quieten it down a little bit but generally we tried to leave a little bit of boiling in so that people understood it was real and stop motion and it had been touched by a human hand which is always nice i love the opening with with the continuous you know the, the sort of tracking shot that you know and, and I, I love how you hid the the cuts by the way oh uh, right but yeah what was that like to board and then to hand off to the animators yeah that's a good question i mean actually that that scene in terms of like boarding it that was something that we sort of came up with quite early on and um and actually the musicians that we worked with the bookshop band scored that kind of the beautiful music that that um is sort of very much part of that scene really early on as well so we we'd, we'd always sort of had a really clear vision of what we wanted in that intro and um and there was there was so many meetings between so many different departments of like how are we going to make this it feel like one continuous shot and there are there's about um i think we broke it into about four there's four there's four, four shots four cuts yeah and um um but but we still within each one of those shots we maxed out the motion control that we had we used the full length of it just to get each one of those yeah. and um yeah i mean it was and you, it was you really, animated the I did animate which, one of them. Which section? Uh, it's the bit with the egg sort of flings off and spirals down a, a branch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, towards the end of the shoot, we uh, we volunteered us our services to try and uh, <laughs> to try and get it done in time. Um, it was only yeah. a couple of shots, but um, it was it was actually really lovely to to be part of that scene because um, it it was something right from the beginning was very clear in our heads that we wanted this really fun but kind of a dramatic and sort of poetic journey of the egg falling down and and, and following and sort of being with robin and following her um it was, the, it was the most complex probably sequence mm. and the one that for some reason we left until the very last bit of the show <laughs> well we didn't we we started we started it right at the beginning so because of those the five shots we started uh oh, the that's first right, bit, that's right. right at the beginning right. it was one of the first sets and it was also the last shot that we shot so it spanned so, so it spanned and it was months, and yeah. it was in one unit the whole time so throughout the whole of the production there was this one unit on the go trying to <laughs> do that and it mostly was because it wasn't seen as the priority because it didn't have characters in and stuff so it was like okay well we'll we'll do that when we when we can but it, it still did take so long and and the, because the motion control as well it's quite 
because it's all timed to music. It was yeah, really hard to it had to program. be so precise. And um, I mean, we love that opening scene, and um, it's sort of feels like you. I don't know a really great sort of introduction to the world the music oh no, absolutely it's a, it's a great tour de force and i love the the little moments in there where you show like the, the frog mom being the parent and pulling the the, the yeah. child back out of danger and it just sort uh, of establishing the story early on of what this story is really going to be about so. yeah we wanted it to feel like yeah exactly that all the parents looking after their young and mm -hmm. and each sort of um species kind of you know sheltering in their own homes and then we figured if you set that up and you set the threat of the world up like the cat sort of and the, the thunder and the lightning um then when you you follow robin and you see that her family aren't there for her by the time you get there with the mice and they they sort of come across the egg hopefully it's kind of told enough about the world around it that that, that meeting is more meaningful well, I would love to know specifics of how long did this take? How many shots are in the movie? Um, oh, many shots. Not, yeah. not, to, not to, you know, I know you're sort of probably suffering from PTSD right now, but not to put you <laughs> back in the war. But, um, yeah, I would love to know what, um, what the specifics are. Well, I, I mean, I, I think the production as a whole probably spanned around vaguely two years. But, um, you know, there was a, a kind of an eight-month shoot in the middle of that or, okay. or waited towards the back of that in terms of how many shots i mean gosh i always think it was around about 400 wasn't it i was about to say 300 so that well that it, shows it was always there was always this thing that um the production team would were saying please get it down to 400 please get it down to 400 because they knew that that was like a more manageable amount and i and actually creatively as well um the editors and um and the dop were saying get it around to about 400 because that's that's what feels right for a 30 minute like you know that kind of quantity of shots but i don't maybe we did get it below that i, th I think we weren't far off it in the end mm. uh, no i think i think we were over what production wanted and if you're saying they wanted 400 i think we were over 400. Oh, okay yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's a funny one because you sort of quantify you have to quantify the shoot in some way and, and it's often done by shots so we'd have like a quota of we try and get about 20 shots finished a week but within that some shots would be like a really quick close-up one reaction shot and that would be classed as a shot and then equally you'd have you know for example one of those elements of the egg role where you know it might take weeks and weeks to just set up mm. so it was a kind of hard thing to quantify but yeah, there's a, I mean, Ardman, they're a very established studio and they've got an incredible machine of, uh, well, I mean, it's not a, they've not got an actual machine that does, <laughs> they just have a machine that makes it. No one says that. Just a yeah. You know, they they're all, in, the type in your ideas. They're, yeah. they're <laughs> pretend. It's all yeah, robots. Yeah, they don't like to talk about the machine. They're sort of no, Wallace and Gromit-esque steampunk robots <laughs> that make the animation. It's amazing. No, but they are a very well-oiled machine and it's a, it's a real kind of sight to behold, like seeing them all each department working brilliantly together and we were amazed at how just the efficiency of of, of creating it because mm -hmm. especially with a really time consuming medium like stop motion you've got to be really efficient in your working in order to kind of make the progress and to keep it creative if you sort of get too if it's too slow going you can kind of lose the i don't know the, the energy of, of a shot or something like that so we were really lucky to be working at such an incredible place 
given the scenes in inside of the magpie's tree, I can just imagine from a stop motion, you know, somebody who's actually working at a stop motion, that must have been nightmarish. I mean, it, it just the notion of, of working in that space with that much propping, lighting that? I, I, I mean, so, okay, so from the set dresser point of view, was, um, I was told so frequently, like, this was their dream, their dream, dream set to build, like... They were so the 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 yeah they were just so like thrilled to be doing such a kind of baroque sprawling twinkly Aladdin's cave and but but you're right I mean in terms of like bumping into something mm-hmm. yeah it's quite annoying but but what we would do see what's deceptive is that probably the things that you're being like oh it's like a big spider web of strings and hanging buttons but they would all be like plated afterwards so. They wouldn't be there while the animator was working. While the animator's working, you kind of take out as much of that as you don't need so that they've just got the puppet and the the bits they're interacting with. And then anything that's, like, in their way, you take it out. You you, you just get it out of the way and then put it back in afterwards and photograph, and then the VFX team put those bits back in. Because, yeah, you know, you've got to treat your animators nice. You've You've got to be good to them. Because if you're asking them to like do really, really complicated and artistically challenging performances, and they've got to like do yoga in between every <laughs> everything and not touch anything, and it's like a game of pickup sticks. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you can get some very upset people. And, yeah, and I think it also yeah. shows in the performance if you've got an easy setup, and and even for characters, some of the characters were were kind of easier to work with than, than others and, and less time consuming. And often you'd find that, you know, the, the performances were, you'd sort of see it in the, in what they've captured because it's, you know, you've, you've made it easier for them to like try things out and stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Or treat them good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering just sort of how the support of Netflix has influenced the studio and if that has kind of given everybody a nice shot in the arm because uh, as we've seen in the States, you know, with Leica, like, you know, they're moving around different studios. They're trying to find somebody that'll, you know, help them out. So I, I imagine that that kind of uh, support no, means I, I a think lot. It's, it's, I think it's been an amazing relationship. So, certainly for us, you know, we can only really speak from the, the perspective of our project, but Netflix were like the the most amazing partners possible. You know, they we we we'd obviously get feedback on the project, but it was always with like you know these are our thoughts and these are take these as flags, but you don't need to take them as suggestions. You need to actually action them. Um, yeah, there was and, never any pressure to to act on anything that they any notes that they gave us, and I and I think you know the kind of mantra that that Netflix have and what we experienced of of kind of them really putting the trust with us to, to make something that we we really love and, and kind of seeing the vision through. I think it's a really like an excellent kind of approach to have because well, for us anyway, we just, we felt it very much so that it was on us to make something great. And we couldn't, you know, if, if a studio is kind of going, oh look, yeah, you're making a musical, but it needs to be a bit more, you know, Justin Bieber. Yeah, or like, you know, they push it a certain way or they, they sort of ask you to, to like follow the certain routes. You can quite easily start um, making excuses yourself of like why why it's not as good as it could be. You could be like, oh, well, we never we didn't really want to do this, but uh, 
and 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 when it's just on you you're sort of accountable for for how good it is and you know well, how, we, how bad it could, how bad it is too. yeah so so you feel that pressure and and but it, with that you've got the freedom to kind of figure stuff out and it was a really it was a really great sort of energizing and um slightly scary uh, position to be in but i think i think that mantra is a really great one mm. and i think i mean so, certainly the netflix relationship with Arvman is uh in c- continuing because um there's chicken run too um and you know i think that's yeah well into production now so yeah it's, it's absolutely a, a great thing Sounds a little different than the Katzenberg years, huh, Jim? <laughs> that it does. That it does. <laughs> I, I, I will say this much. Okay, so you, you dodged the Justin Bieber bullet. But but at the same time, what I love about this is it's very much of today. I love the message of inclusion, of that you're a Robin, but you're also a mouse. You're part of our family. And the fact that I love that this story arrived for holiday 2021 at at a time when, frankly, we kind of need this story. Yeah, well, that was, I mean, when you're telling a story, once you sort of, once you kind of realize what you want to say with the story, which is, because when we first started out, I mean, we kind of knew that it was about a Robin that wanted to fit in with her mice family. and, And it had that theme and message kind of intrinsically linked to the opening situation but we spent a lot of you know a big part of the crafting the story is is knowing what you want to say and the message and then how you say it and all the nuances of that but i think having that as a foundation of like celebrating difference and and um sort of putting the message of being yourself uh, no matter how different you are out in the world once you know that it gives you such an incentive to make the film and make it good and make the characters likable because you want you know if you believe in the mm. message behind the film then it's a sort of powerful uh, core part of the the project i guess well i think that's a great note to end on thanks jim for setting that one up uh, <laughs> i think we both really love this short so it meant, it meant a lot to uh, to get to chat with you guys Oh, well, Drew, Jim, thank thank you so much for chatting to us. And, um, of course. Glad you like the film. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to All you. Right. Thank, yeah. you thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. Take care, guys. Okay, so this genuinely wonderful holiday special debuts on Netflix again tomorrow, Wednesday, November 24th, and you really don't want to miss Robin Robin. And speaking of things you really don't want to miss, what is going on with Light the Fuse these days as we head into the holiday season? Well, I think everybody that listens to this show is really going to appreciate that we're doing kind of an extended celebration of the 10th anniversary of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Um, so we, we actually just recorded earlier this week with um, uh, Nimick and Applebaum, who are the two uh, writers on the movie. And we get great stories about working with Brad Bird, what that whole process was like why Harrison Ford wasn't the bad guy in the movie as originally intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we've, we, we talked to Chris Peck, who's the, the uh, prop master on the movie. He told amazing stories and showed us his portfolio and all this stuff. And uh, we're just going to keep it going. We are going to keep it going. And we also have some podcasts here in the, the, the a few. media. But a few. Yeah. Uh, we got Disney Dish with Lentesta. In fact, we posted the first of seven uh, walk around the park shows that Len and I recorded when we were in uh, Walt Disney World 
just after the 50th anniversary launch. So uh, I've and listened to all those, Jim, and they're great. They're going to continue all the way till New Year's Day. So what's kind of sad is like you're you know in the past you would do things and be like, oh, they're planning this for this area. Yep. <laughs> this time you're like, well, I don't know. There could be a new soda machine over there. You know, it's like there's nothing. And Imagineering is not, I would say, at the at the peak of its powers right now. It's an interesting time. Now, you know, I, I, what, what's ironic is if you look at the money that's clearly being spent on, uh, like, Tron uh, Light Cycle or, or, for that matter, the attractions that are finished, uh, you know, a Ratatouille or the Remy's Ratatouille Adventure or Rise of the Resistance, which when it runs and works, it's a, an amazing attraction. Uh, but yeah, I mean that there is clearly money that's being spent. But again, it's just. But at the same time, it's just this, this whole notion of, you know, okay, you're building these giant battleships, and it's you know, but that needs love over there. And have you heard the stories about what happened with Small World in California? Uh, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So. No. Oh, we didn't even talk about Toontown. We, we can talk about Toontown next next time. We'll talk about Toontown yeah. next time. So, all right. Beyond that, can you tell folks where they can find you on uh, social media? Uh, you can find me at Drew Taylor, like a tailored shirt, mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Killer. And what about you, Jim? Where can we find you? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. That will do it for this week, folks. And thanks for listening. And Drew and I will be back soon. <laughs>